So Isaiah 40. I don't know where to start because Isaiah 40, the, the very first words are comfort, comfort ye my people. God is writing through the prophet Isaiah comfort to his people because they were going through some tough times. And God wanted them to know that there's tough times come, but they don't defeat us. Amen? If you're going to be on this earth, you're going to have some tribulation and trouble. That's what Jesus said. He said, but be of good cheer. Aren't you glad he didn't say, you know, tribulation comes. And I'm so sorry about that. And I hope you're tough enough to make it through. I love Jesus. Because he tells you how it's going to be. But he gives you great encouragement. He said, tribulation will come. But. Remember, when, when you use that word, but. And like when you're talking to your spouse, you might say, you look really handsome today, but. That cancels out that you look really handsome. But that tie is not good. You just canceled out. He won't remember that you said he looked very handsome today. He will remember you said you don't like the tie. Or, you know, you come home and you, you say, you men might say to your wife, this is a wonderful supper. Thank you for this. But... Why are we having this vegetable again? You just can't. You know what? She, is she going to remember that you just said this is a wonderful supper? Thank you for it. No. She's going to wonder, why Why'd you have to bring that up? Like, what's it to you? Broccoli is good for you. Eat your broccoli. So when we say but, we cancel out the other. But this is what. Jesus used it and it canceled out because he said as long as you're on there tribulation will come you will have tribulation but be of good cheer I've overcome the world so there might be trouble in the world but cancel out that trouble in the world be of good cheer I've overcome it if Jesus has overcome it then you've overcome it if you'll hook in with him so let's start with verse 3. I don't know. We'll just kind of skip over in, verse, in chapter 40. So the voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough grain, ground become plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then. So before... Before this next verse, it says, first of all, you have got to clear the way for the Lord. That's what we were talking about Wednesday night when the Holy Spirit started moving. We've got to make way for the Holy Spirit to move in a, in a uh, service. Amen? We've got to make time. Let me tell you, <laughs> there are some churches, I grew up in a church like this. <laughs> we, we got bulletins, but we didn't need them. Because they could, they could have just told us the numbers of the hymns. But we knew this is how it's going to go. We're going to sing three hymns. Uh, there's going to be prayer to start with. Then three hymns. Then the, there's going to be offering. And they always did offering. Do it as quick as possible. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Get the money, get it out. 
You know, there was no teaching on it, no, no talking about it. Just hurry up. It was just something you had to put up with. Then the pastor would preach, and you could guarantee that he or she was not going to preach longer than a certain amount of time, and you could pretty well guarantee in our church that we could beat the Baptist to the restaurant. <laughs> that was a big deal if you could beat the Baptist because there was a lot of Baptists in our town. you got to beat those Baptists or you're, you just might as well go home. So we didn't need a bulletin. We knew exactly what was going to happen. And you know what? We can get into the same ruts. You know what? Uh, Wednesday night, things didn't go like a normal Wednesday night. And uh, we could have just went, well, I, I just really didn't like that, Pastor Brownie. I wanted this to happen. But thank God we're past that. We want God, we want the Holy Spirit, and we are willing to be here and hooked in and say, do what you want to do. So he's saying, first of all, you've got to clear the way for the Lord. Clear the way for the Lord. How do we do that? By prayer and intercession. Verse 5, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. I want the glory of the Lord revealed in my life. I want it revealed in your life. I want it revealed in this church. I want it revealed in our city. I want it revealed in our provinces. I want it revealed in our nation. I want it revealed in our world. Because the Bible says that before the Lord comes, that the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. <laughs> I would say that there's a good part of people even in our own town that don't know anything about the glory of God. They don't have a knowledge of the glory. How can we talk about the whole earth when our own neighborhood might not know? They're not going to just pick it up, guys. They're not going to go walking outside and boom, they know about it. They're going to hear about it because it says, the scripture says, how can they hear without a preacher? He's not talking about somebody that's... You know, that's their legal occupation. He's talking about you and I. You're preaching the gospel everywhere you go. You are the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. But you are also the letter of God read of all men. People are reading you to find out about God. Amen? So that's why it's important that we know our God praise the Lord a voice says call out then he answered what shall I call out God talks to him about the grass withering the flower fading but the word of the Lord shall abide forever amen let's go to verse 18 to whom then will you liken to God or what likeness will you compare with him? As for idol, a craftsman cast it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering, in other words, he doesn't have money for gold or silver, he selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he. I love this. He's not that 
silver idol. He's not that gold idol. He's not that wooden idol. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and his inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It is he who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither. Don't get, don't get all anxious and fearful over governments, over politics, over things happening in the earth. God's in control. Yesterday we were in a situation and we had been, I was with Tina and it was a, it was a, it was a very serious situation we were dealing with and we had been praying in tongues. We had been seeking the Lord. And we were sitting in, in just a little waiting area at the hospital. And, uh, you know, sometimes you want some profound word from God, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> you want this profound word. It was a profound word. You know what the word was? Jesus is Lord. And when Tina said that, the Holy Spirit came and settled. That settles it. Jesus is Lord. My responsibility is to receive it, that word from God that Jesus is Lord, and let him be Lord. But he says, <laughs> he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? That I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Do you think I'm equal to that gold idol? Or you think I'm equal to that silver idol or that beautiful carved wood? Not even close. Yet today, they did this in Isaiah's time. We see they did it in the New Testament in the book of Acts. They make idols. Today, you might not have a gold idol in your house of Buddha or whatever. You might not have a silver idol. You not, might not have one of those wooden tiki idols from one of the Polynesian islands. But we make idols out of many things. Our work can become our idol. Our children can, can become our idols. Our uh, hobbies can become idols. We don't have to have gold, silver, and wooden but he's saying that is all nothing. I can get rid of those things. I don't. You can't compare me to any of those things. He is to be compared to none of that. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created the stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. You know we name stars, and you know what? You can you can buy you, you can buy these certificates, and I forget where you get them, but I remember thinking about doing it for John's high school graduation I was going to get a star named after Jonathan his father went God's already named the stars yeah but we don't know those names wouldn't it be cool to have a star named by I thought it was cool but God's, God calls the stars by name he's just so big why do we care just to know he's just he's just big he's just wonderful hallelujah because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. 
Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Was that true? Was God was Israel's way was was the way of God's people hidden from God? Did God not know where they were? Do you think God was going? Where did those people go? I can't find them. No, and and actually, if you're talking, he's really talking about the way they should go. Is it hidden? Their destiny is it hidden from God? No, he knows your end from your beginning. Nothing is hidden from God. The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men, they stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I want to read this to you in the Amplified. Verse 31. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. That, that word renew, change and renew, that King James says they will renew their strength. Amplified says change and renew. That renew, Jonathan has preached about it on Wednesday night before, but it literally means to exchange his strength for my strength. So I renew my strength, I exchange what I have for him. Isn't that the coolest thing? That we don't have to walk in our own strength. And that's our problem, especially in North America, that we think that we need to walk in our own strength, our own power. And, you know, we got to do it. I mean, we gotta we gotta work hard. We even as Christians sometimes is if we would only pray more, if we would only if we'd only have more faith. Well, those are great things. But the point, if you can learn that He wants you to exchange, take what you have and ta- get what He has. How else could we lay hands on the sick and see them recover? As Mark 16 says we should. How else could we cast out demons? As Mark 16 says we should. Do you have the power in you? Not in you. Well, yeah, I heard yes and no both, and you're both right. In yourself. No. But in Him who's in you. Yes. Yay, y'all. Y'all are great. (laughs) 100% so far, guys. (laughs) So we change and exchange our strength. We renew our strength. If I'm going to renew something, I'm going to make it new again, right? So God wants us to get back to where He started. Get back to what we were when He first came into our lives. When you're first born again, you get everything you ever need. He puts faith in you. He puts anointing in you. He puts the Holy Spirit in you. You get it all. It's a package deal. Isn't it wonderful? The package deal. You get it, but you get it for a purpose. Amen? Not just so that we can wear a little tag and say, I'm a Christian. Don't you want to be one? (laughs) 
No, we get it to change our world. But first it will change us. Hallelujah. So he says that we are not to grow weary. We're supposed to run and not grow weary. We had, we had some, some of the people of the church met and played baseball Friday night. And uh, so they were, you know, trying to get me to bat. I said, no, don't want to do that. Well, then you can run. No, sure don't want to do that. Because I figured if I hit the ball, I wasn't sure I could get it to first base because, you know, they were pretty fast. And uh, so some people, like Karen, learned to just pray a lot. She was a great prayer. She she did pretty good. It worked pretty good, didn't it, Barry? <laughs> so praise the Lord if I pray, if I get hooked into the Holy Spirit, then I am coming out of myself and getting into Him. Because Ephesians, Colossians, read those. All through it says we are now in Him. You are in Christ. Now are you in Christ. It does not appear what you shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Amen? So I'm in Christ. I'm in Him. He's in me. We're, you know, you ever make tea? I'm sure you have. You ever take a tea bag and you put it in that hot water? Do you ever, you know, get the tea and you just say, Man... I thought I was thirsty for tea, but I just want water. Can you get the tea out of the water? I'm sure there's some way some chemist could do it. But we can't do it, right? Because it's they've merged together. And you can't tell what's tea and what's water because it's become... The water and the tea is no longer water and tea. It's become what? Tea. And so when I'm in Christ and He's in me, no longer, the Bible says, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. So there's no longer brownie and Jesus, there's just Jesus. And, the, and as Paul said, uh, as, well, I'm not sure. The Scripture says that I must decrease and He must increase. John said that. John the Baptist was saying that about Jesus. I must decrease and He must increase. Well, that's what our heart should be. I must decrease. So that when people, when I talk to people, they don't go off and say, Boy, that was fun talking to Brownie. But they go off talking about Jesus. Amen? This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus was talking to me about. And it's not so important who the messenger is. It's time that the body of Christ gets over idol worship in a sense of who who's preaching the word or who's doing whatever amen who's singing the word we don't want to get there just let jesus speak to us now we're supposed to honor those in the body of christ we're supposed to have honor i'm not talking about that but i'm talking about that it's more important that he gets credit than any person if you're looking for someone to pat you on the back and say add a girl add a boy you're going to be disappointed because there's just not enough of them. There's not enough attaboys or girls to make you feel good. But if you just are trying to please Jesus, work as unto the Lord, as the Bible says, then it will be truly you and Jesus, and you'll be so happy. I tell you, when you quit being concerned what people think about you, 
and you're concerned about what people think about your Jesus, then you're a happy person. Amen? Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We should always pray and not give up. We should always pray and not give up. If you're praying and you start to give up, what do you do? What's the answer to that? (laughs) I think Paul explained it quite well in Ephesians 4, didn't he? He talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, excuse me. Uh, Putting on the whole armor of God. He talks about you put on your helmet of salvation, your sword of the Spirit, your breastplate of righteousness, your uh, loins girt about with truth. You put on all that armor. And then he talks about prayer. So you, you put on the armor of God spiritually, and then you have equipment to pray. But then he says, when you've done all, I mean, you're, you're, you're praying so that you can stand. It's a warrior position, right? Remember, there's no, in the armor of God, there's no uh, covering for your backside. We're not supposed to be running from the devil. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. No, we, we are in the offense. We don't play defense, except we defend the, the kingdom of God, but we defend it by being offensive. Understand? And so, he says, when you've done all to stand, what? stand. And what if you've done all to stand and you've stood? What do you do now? But you've already stood. But I mean, you've already done that like, 14 times. You stand? Well, what if it's just not working? Well, I don't see anything working. How do you know the Word's working? Do you believe that? (laughs) I do too. I do too. But is it always easy to stand? Is it easy to stand? But sometimes it's easy. It's easier at times, right? But when it gets tough, you know when it gets tough is when you've stood and it didn't happen and you keep standing and it didn't happen. But we've talked about this. We've, we've covered this several times, even lately, that you have no idea what's happening in the Spirit. Unless God opens your eyes, you don't know. So never be discouraged. Don't grow weary. Wait on the Lord. That word wait is not doesn't mean in inactivity. Most people think if okay, I'm just gonna wait on the Lord. Well what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. Yeah, but what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. Yeah, but what are you doing? Now, it can go both ways. It can go good or bad here, because some people think, Well, I have to help the Lord. Is there any helpers of the Lord, you know what I mean, that you think I Obviously, he needs me to help him make that decision because he's getting slow about telling me. So I need to help him. That's wrong. But waiting on the Lord is to inquire of him, to hope in him. That word wait can be, uh, if you go to the Hebrew, it can mean hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. That, that doesn't mean hope there again is an active word, not a, not a passive word. We don't just say, well, I, I hope Jesus will do something. I'm waiting on the Lord. No. I do what I know to do while I'm waiting on the Lord. 
I apply the word. I've strengthened myself by the word of God. You know, uh, when <laughs> some of you guys here that planted some crops this uh, spring here, what if you just decided, Keith and Eric, what if you just decided you went to your wives, which I think I'd like to be there when you did that, and said, this year, I believe, I have faith for a great harvest. I'm just going to wait on the Lord and wait for a harvest. That's what I'm doing this year. God spoke to me that we're going to have a great harvest. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And she'll say, praise the Lord. Let's do that. Let's wait on the Lord. And then you sleep till noon the first day, and they think you're sick. Because that's never happened. Like, that doesn't happen. And then the next day you sleep till noon, and you just laze around. And finally, your godly wife says, what's wrong with you? I'm waiting on the Lord. What about? For to have a harvest. We would think they misunderstood the message. Because waiting on the Lord doesn't mean you don't do anything. You plant, you sow, you reap, but you do it with His strength, with His power, and you walk in it and believe God that it's going to come out all right. I'm waiting on the Lord. Also, that word wait, like a waiter or a waitress, is serving, right? When we use the term waiter or waitress, uh, you know... We've got people that own restaurants in here. But, Maria, when you hire a waitress and you say, or a waiter, and you say, your job is to wait on tables, and they say, I got it. I, I can do that. And so you say, okay, go to table five is your table. I got it. I can do that. And I don't say anything because I'm just waiting. She just said, wait. So the gentleman at table five says, would you like to take my order? No, I'm supposed to just wait. What are you waiting on? I don't know. I'm a waiter. I just wait. You wouldn't keep your job very long, right? And you sure wouldn't get any tips. But that's the way some people think waiting on the Lord is. I just hang around. And if God wants to do something in my life, He'll do it. And if He doesn't, He won't. It has nothing to do with me. That's crazy. And I'll tell you a secret. If that's how you look at it, He will do nothing in your life. Because you have not given yourself to Him. Amen? So waiting is hoping in, it's, it's having an expectation, but it is also continuing in service to the Lord. So those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. How are you going to get gain new strength when you are doing something? Because when you're doing it in the power of God and the anointing of God, your strength increases. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? We go from strength to strength. There's so many scriptures talking about strength. But here it's saying you gain new strength. How? Waiting on the Lord. 
expecting him to do something, agreeing with him, taking the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, you know, there's many, I could go on a rabbit trail here and talk to you about eagles and, and, um, I don't, I can't say I would be an expert by any means. But we do know in Isaiah's time, the rabbis, I was just reading some of the rabbis' teachings on this, and the rabbis believed in those days that, that the eagles would fly ten times a year. I mean, ten times in their lifetime. Every ten years they would fly and go as close to the sun as they could, and when they got to where... They couldn't stand the heat anymore. They would fall straight down into the ocean and it would take all their old feathers off. And so they believed they did that every 10 years. And on the 100th year, when they went into the ocean, they never came back up. That's, that's how they died. That's not true. But we do know that eagles always go to the high places. I love being in the Rockies. You ever been in the Rockies? And you see those eagles, and they're just, they're on those currents of air between those mountains. That is the coolest thing, isn't it? I, I hate to see an eagle in a zoo. Every time I see an eagle in a zoo, I just want to open the cage. Because <laughs> they weren't meant to be in a zoo. They're meant to soar. They're meant to go to the high places. And so are you. So we're to soar on wings as eagles. That's also talking about how a mother eagle has a nest. And she has little eaglets in her nest. And when it's time to to fly, what does she do? She, She pushes them. She brings sticks to make it uncomfortable in the nest. And she urges them. But you know what those little guys get? Can you imagine having to jump out? Of, can you imagine what I don't know how big their brain is but I suspect they at least know they're falling and they at least know that's just not real smart to leave the nest but they go out and and they start to go down and what happens when they get they're, they're losing ground they're heading well they're not losing ground they're going to hit the ground what happens she comes on and scoops them up well that's how the Lord does for us he urges us on. He, he makes it uncomfortable sometimes. Now, not with sickness, not with disease. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But he doesn't want you to get comfortable and just stay where you are. He wants you to go on and on. Amen. So, Jesus told his, his disciples, you need to pray and not give up. 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 Doesn't matter what you see here. That's what faith is. Faith, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence or the title deed of things not perceived by your five physical senses. Hebrews 11 also says, without faith it's impossible. It's impossible. It says without faith it's impossible to please God. It doesn't matter how many prayers you pray, how many times you do whatever it's impossible to please God without faith. And then it says, For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he is God. He's not this silver God. He's not this gold God. He's not this wooden God that we read about. 
He is the God. The, the everlasting God. The one and only God. He is God Almighty. So I must believe that. And then I must, according to Hebrews 11, I must believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Oh, some people say, you know, God doesn't need to reward me. No, you're cheating God and you're cheating you. He wants to reward you. That's his nature. He rewards faith. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he demonstrated what God was like. He showed us God, didn't he? He was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Jesus walked the earth so that we could see see God in a human form. And did Jesus ever, was he ever moved by anything other than faith? He moved by faith, didn't he? He walked by faith. He taught by faith. Faith moved him. When someone came, he'd say, How great is your faith? Or, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Those are things he would say to people. Faith moved God. Faith moved Jesus. And faith today is what pleases God. So the Bible says, Whatever is done, if it's not, if it's not done in faith, it's sin. So we've got to learn to walk by faith, live by faith, talk faith. I mean, faith needs to be what we are. Some, some person said one time, are you one of those faith people? Well, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> do, y'all, do you ever have answers in your brain that you'd say, I wish I could say that? <laughs> yeah. But the Lord constrains me. Are you one of those faith people? They said it like it was a curse word. One of those faith people? I said, yes, but I wanted to say, are you one of those doubt and unbelief people? Like, what's the choice? Faith or fear? Believe or don't? What's your choice? So, yes, we are the people of faith. And people ought to know we're people of faith. So if we're acting like people of the world, and then we say we're people of faith... Our actions speak louder than our words. So we've got to learn to wait on the Lord. I want you to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. I'm telling you, Corinthians is full of great things for the church. Because he was teaching them how to be a church. How to be an overcoming church. Let's look, let's start at, let's see. Verse 8. No, verse 7. But we have this treasure. What is it? The treasure, go back to verse 6, the knowledge of the glory. That's, that's what we were talking about a while ago. That's a treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. In other words, again, we're saying that the glory goes to Jesus. The glory goes to God, not to any man, not to any woman. It goes to God. And if any time you find yourself lifting somebody, whether it's your child or your spouse or a celebrity or whatever, anybody that gets more glory... From you than the Lord Jesus Christ, something's out of order. 
That's a sidebar. For we have this treasure in earth and vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Now here's Paul, and he's telling the truth here. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. What Jesus died for, that that is we're not supposed to carry, you know, be like the suffering Jesus, because Jesus suffered and died and rose again. Jesus isn't suffering today. And he did it for you and I, right? So we have to we have to come into agreement with the resurrection. Not and the sufferings when when the scripture talks about that we how's it worded Jonathan about that we uh, we in the fellowship of his sufferings. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to do like they do in the Philippines, nail yourself to a cross or carry a cross through the streets. That is not the fellowshipping of his sufferings, and I don't have time to teach on that. Jonathan uh, ministered on it one time, I believe, or at least touched on it. But the fellowship of his sufferings, when I fellowship, in other words, I take what he did and I make it mine. Amen? I, I don't I don't have to suffer because he suffered. I don't have to be sick because he took my sickness and my disease. The Bible says he became poor so that we might be rich. He, he bore our sicknesses and our disease on his body so that we might be healed. It said he took our griefs and our sorrows. We're not supposed to walk around in grief and sorrow. Jesus bore it. Jesus bore it. But Pastor Brown, you don't understand. Actually, I do. I understand what it's like to have the closest loved one that you have move to heaven. I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like to fellowship with his sufferings and to say he bore my grief and my sorrow. I am not supposed to have grief and sorrow. Do I miss my loved one? Yes. But I was telling somebody the other day because I hear people say, you know, uh, they've lost, uh, someone, one of their loved ones has been gone for 10 years or whatever, and they say, I miss them every day. And I heard someone say that on a television program, and it just like that, it came in. I almost felt guilty. Like, I don't go through a missing every day. And I, I was thinking, oh man, maybe I'm not, I'm not being good. Like, that's, Maybe I'm not, I don't care anymore. And it was almost, I can't tell you that I heard an audible laugh, but it was almost like I heard both David and Jesus laugh. Like, we're not supposed to live like that. We think of them, and sometimes we think and we do miss them in certain things, but we're not supposed to go through every day going, I miss them today. Can you imagine what your life would be? So today, if you've been going through that, I'm telling you, Jesus bore that for you. You don't have to have grief and sorrow every day. You don't. You know, when I'm, uh, when I'm off on a trip or something, I call the office or I call like, my kids, and uh, I, it's just a joke with us, but we'll say, I'll say, you miss me yet? And, uh, you know, we joke with each other. 
But really, I don't want them. I don't want the the church. I don't want the staff. I don't want my children going, oh, I just miss them. I wish they were here. If we get into that, which they don't, by the way. They could miss me more sometimes, I believe. But no. <laughs> If we're about our, our father's business, did Jesus miss his, his mama and his daddy when he was 12 years old and he was in the temple for three days? Do you think he was crying at night going, I wish my mommy and my daddy was here. I just miss them so much. No. In fact, he... And obviously they didn't miss him too much either because it took him a while to figure out he wasn't with them. No, it was because of the way they did. You know, the kids just were... With other people, that it was, it was, a, they weren't neglectful parents. Let's just say that. But the point being is, when we're about our father's business, then those emotional ties are not going to be hanging on us because we're about our father's business. Amen. And yes, we might think of a loved one, whether they're in heaven or whether they're in Little Rock, Arkansas, and say, "I miss them." Do I miss my daughter? Yes, I miss her. But I know where she is. She's in Little Rock, Arkansas. Do I miss David? Yes. But I know where he is. He's walking on the streets of glory. Probably dancing on the streets of glory. And so if we wait on the Lord and let him renew our strength, then we're not going to get into that sorrowing and grieving. Let's go on. I'm going to have to hurry here. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus... Thank God for the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is flowing in your veins and in my veins. Driving out every sickness, every disease. Everything that's not of God. The life of God is more powerful. If I have the life of God in me, which I do and which you do, then that life is greater than anything that would come against you. Because 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The greater one is in me. And then when I be, when I be, (laughs) just stepped into the southern, didn't I? (laughs) I'll step back out. Uh, When I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, then there's another plus, right? I have the power of God. I know mysteries. I speak mysteries. How? He said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, will He, will God give it to you? Or will He give you something else? He will give you. If you ask, He will give you. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit, when He told His disciples, you go and you wait until, you know, I don't even know how it says in New American Standard because I learned it in King James and sometimes you learn things and you don't... <laughs> He said in King James uh, translation, it says that till you be endued with power from on high. You get it. You wait. Why? Because you're the guys that have got to turn this world upside down. You're the guys that are going to take what I preach and change the whole world. And you're the ones that are going to write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the words that I spoke. You're going to write the parables. You're going to write it. You need the Holy Spirit. Why? How can we take how can we take this Bible Shay and how can we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and we read what Jesus did? How can we believe that they remembered right? Because 
You know, what if um, some of them didn't have just the perfect memory? You know, you got you ever play the game telephone and, you know, I could just take this row right here and, and we could prove it, but for lack of time and you're all adults and you know how that works, the story changes, right? From person to person to person. So how do we know they got it right? Because Jesus has already gone to heaven before they wrote those books. So what if John was just putting his special spin on it and Matthew was putting his special spin on it? If it was written by mere men, that's what would happen. But the Bible says that every scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So they had to wait till they had that endowment of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in them, to do all these things. To go out, and as Peter did, as soon as they got it, Peter went out, and 3,000 people got saved that morning. Glory to God. They got saved by a guy they thought was drunk. Because it was only 9 o'clock in the morning. And they were acting drunk. But they weren't drunk as they supposed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's Peter who had denied Jesus. Peter, who was the, he's the one that took his sword when the Roman soldiers came. And he was going to protect Jesus. And he was going to keep Jesus from going. Remember? He was determined Jesus was not going to go. And so he took his sword, and the great fisherman, Peter, (laughs) who probably had never held one of those swords, grabbed the sword and goes down on the head, but he misses that seam. He hits the ear of Matthias, I believe his name was. What was his name? Oh, same thing. I could spell it. (laughs) My Greek scholars, right? Anyway, we call him Mr. M. (laughs) He cut off his ear. Peter just messed up a whole lot in that week, didn't he? And so don't you think he needed those ten days of prayer in that upper room? And he needed. But thank God, he he didn't do what Judas did. Judas went and killed himself, hung himself. Peter, I'm, I suspect Peter went through some depression, some regrets, don't you think? But yet he, did, he waited on the Lord. He waited on the Lord. He didn't do... Judas did not wait on the Lord. Judas heard the satanic voice that says, go hang yourself, and he did it. Let me tell you, there's voices speaking to you, and you have to discern who those voices are. Is this God? Is this the devil? Is this the flesh? You can hear from all three. And then, when you know the Word of God, here's, here's how God speaks to you most of the time, right here. How, how many in the room can say you've heard this loud, booming voice of God? I know it happens. I've never heard the booming voice of God. But I sure have heard a still, small voice. And I've heard something in my spirit. So people are saying, I want, I want to hear God. I want to hear God. If you don't have that desire in your heart, you haven't been waiting on God. Because you should have a desire to want to hear God. That's a godly desire. But you'll never hear Him unless you wait on Him. 
You will never hear him if you're trying to fit him into your plans. You'll never hear him if you're just trying to make, you know, time for him when it's convenient for you. Because if that's the truth, is he Lord? A song that was popular in the, when Christian music just started becoming, people were, I'm talking about contemporary Christian music. And that was in the, started in the Jesus movement in California. And um, Chuck Gerard was like, big time. And then Love Story was one of the first Christian bands that was, you know, contemporary Christian. Because we'd had Southern Gospel quartets and all that, but Love Story was a contemporary uh, gospel group. But there was, I don't remember who sang this song. Uh, I think it might have been Evie. But it said... It uh, it said, if he's not Lord of everything, he's not Lord at all. Meaning, he has to be number one, and I'm not going to know what number one wants to do unless I go talk to number one. Because if I'm always finding out from somebody else what number one says to do, then I never know for sure. You know, uh, if if I come tell Mary something, and I say, Mary, I want you to go tell Arlene to this is what I said. Well, if Mary tells Arlene, then Arlene has got to know that sounds like something Brownie would say. If I said to Mary, go tell Arlene, it's okay to go to the bar tonight. Well, if first of all, Mary wouldn't even tell it. She'd, she'd just check on me first. But I, this is a pretend situation. So Mary tells Arlene, Pastor Brain says it's okay for you to go to the bar tonight. Arlene would say, no, I have spent time with her. That's not something she would say. So how am I going to know the voice of the Lord? I'm going to spend time with Him. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And when I'm weak, He is strong. When I need strength, He renews it. He exchanges His strength for my strength. And then I mount up. And I see things from an eagle's point of view, not from the lowly turkey's point of view. Amen. Let's go ahead. Praise the Lord. Let's go to verse 13. No, let's go to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Isn't that? Don't faint. Don't grow weary. We do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction. (laughs) Here's the guy that was getting stoned everywhere he went. He called that light affliction is producing for us eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Temporary. Subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. I won't know that unless I know His voice. I know His character. I won't know that unless I've waited on him. Never make, you know, never make big decisions. Don't even make little decisions without talking to God. Oh, some people say, well, you know, they, they might say, well, I have a headache. Well, did you pray? Did you speak the word over yourself? Well, no, I don't want to bother God with a little headache. So where's where's your point? Or, you know what, things aren't going good at my workplace. Well, did you pray about it? 
Well, no, I don't want to bother God with those kind of things. When we start thinking we're bothering God, we don't know our God. Because He wants you to come to Him. Remember the scripture I read over leaf today? He said, call on me and I will answer you. I will answer you. I'll talk to you. So, we see that our, our, our challenge is not to lose heart. Not to grow weary. Let me read this 2 Corinthians 4.16 uh, to you in the Amplified. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless. Have you got that on this screen? Are you getting it on this screen? Because I'll wait for you. Oh, here we go. Let's read this together. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Now, he's not making a bad confession, church. This is Paul. Your outward, this body was not made to last for eternity. That's why we'll get glorified bodies. Right, Jared? Glorified bodies. That's why we'll get that. But this body has an expiration date. So from the time you're born, your body is going toward that expiration date. But here's the thing. Once that body has Jesus inside then your spirit can progressively increase even when your body is decreasing. And that spirit can hold up that body and help that body live longer and live stronger. Live long, live strong. You're not going to do that by going to the gym. That's not what it's talking about. I'm not saying don't go to the gym, but you're not going to live long and live strong if you, if you eat all the right foods, if you do all the exercise you're supposed to do, but if your mouth is filled with negative confessions, if your mouth is filled with death, that's what will work in your body. The Bible says it's not what goes in a man that defies him, it's what comes out of him. What, what goes in a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out of his mouth. So my... My words have to line up with God, and I have to learn to wait upon the Lord. Church, it is time that we make a decision. It's got to be a decision that's not just made because this is, I say, okay, let's, make, let's all confess this. I'm, I'm talking about, this is, I'm hearing from the Lord that this is a deep thing that we must make a personal commitment. Not You don't make it for someone else. You make it for you. You don't judge your neighbor, your family, or whatever. You make a decision. As for me, I will wait on the Lord. And people might pressure you and say, you have to make a decision now. You have to do this now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Anybody have anybody pressure them? Say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> I see some smiles. Am I, obviously, you didn't say yes. But let me just, maybe you guys are just all better. You're just, 
so spiritual, but I've had troubles with that sometimes. That people want to know what are you going to do? 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 And you're doing your best to hear from God. You are doing your best not to miss God. The worst thing that can happen is someone to come pressure you and say, what are you going to do? Come on, tell me what are you going to do? I mean, Leif is just graduating from high school. Do you know that there's probably uh, at least 50 people that have an opinion of what Leif should do? At least. But whose responsibility is it that Leif does what God wants him to do? Is it his parents? No, they have their part to play as far as prayer. But it's Leif's. Leif's got to hear. And no matter what pressure. And I know, I know, I don't know this by the spirit, not by the flesh. That I know you had pressure to do something. And I know that you said, I'm, I'm going to wait on God. Or I'm, I don't know how you worded it. But your, your answer was, i got to know God wants me to do this. How many young men or women that graduate from high school have that heart in them? Because society says, well, you've got to go to university or you've got to get a trade or you've got to do this or you've got to do that. I'm not talking about waiting and going and doing nothing, but I'm talking about spending time with God and knowing this is what God says. And you'll never know what God says until you learn to wait upon the Lord.